it's all uh, ads, right? It's like your your friends are all having babies, so we're gonna just take a shot in the dark here and say you're probably gonna have a baby very soon, and we're gonna show you uh, baby ads. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. because it showed you the baby ad, your mind is like, oh, I want a baby, and then. Next thing you know, you have a baby, and you're like, wow, I, sh- I should have bought that stroller when it was on sale. Please. Wednesday evening, right here, live, usually, yet another texture.com. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me this evening, Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? Mr. Lee, what's going on? Not much. Larry Press, also with us. How you doing, Larry? Hey, guys. Good to see you. And Mike Rothman back again. What's up, Mike? Just glad to be here. I'm getting my fill of cute cat pictures to celebrate the 25th (laughs) anniversary of the internet. It is. Happy the internet is almost older than we are. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Well. And also, the, it's a funky day to pick for the anniversary of the internet. I mean, that's the day that, that Tim Berners-Lee handed a memo to his boss asking permission to work on this program. Does that count as the birthday? Right, like what date do you go by? Is it the day the first packet was sent, the first email was sent? Because this is saying the World Wide Web, so that would be like a different birthday than like ARPANET or something like that, you know? Very different. That came way before. Right. This this works really only under one principle, which is, and that principle is any excuse to celebrate. There we go. No, it's any excuse to go link hunting. <laughs> well, and Tim Berners Lee did an AMA on Reddit uh, talking yeah, about, you know, yeah. what he would rather face a uh, hundred duck. I forget what it is. I try and avoid those now, <laughs> but, you know, a hundred like one foot tall ducks or like a one 100 foot tall duck. I forget. Is that how it goes? <laughs> That's like the question they ask everybody. They asked Obama when he did the AMA. Yeah, Mr. President, if you had to square off in battle against 100 one-foot-tall ducks or one 100-foot-tall <laughs> duck, what would you choose and why? Because we have nothing better to ask you. Well, America, <laughs> it's a very good question. <laughs> Baloney. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it is, you, it is the internet. Guys, what was your guys' first memory? Of the internet, so I uh, got a guy that I follow on Google Plus, and he does a geek question of the day. His name is Charlie Hoover. If you want to circle him, yeah. and he he basically asks, "What what do you remember first about the internet?" And I'm curious to hear because internet or the web. Uh, let's say the web. You know, because we got such a wide range 
of personalities and ages right I, here. I had a blog post on, on just that question with respect to the mm -hmm. web because of this 25th birthday thing. Yeah. So, uh, well, Larry, what was your first memory? Well, my first my first memory was uh, using links. You know, the, that University of Kansas uh, browser, the character-oriented browser. I was using links like four years ago because it was a fast browser just for, like, finding information, <laughs> like for text. <laughs> well, back in the wow. day, that's pretty much the only people that could, could use, like, there was... Uh, what was that one, Mike? From uh, from uh, shoot, Gopher. There was a color or something like that. What? There was a graphically oriented browser uh, that ran Gopher? under Windows from Cornell University. You remember what it was called? Oh, what was that? Gopher. No, no, Gopher was Gopher. That was all different. That's what I, I had a Gopher server. I, that was pre uh, Prodigy. Pre internet. Was it Prodigy? No, no, no. That was a just a, a dial-up service. Was it AOL? Uh, no, but there was a, <laughs> I'm just messing like, everybody's, Everybody always says that Netscape was the first graphical browser, but that's not so. There was one from Cornell University uh, that was pretty much as old as Lynx from the same time period. But the hardware was just too crappy. You know, it ran on Windows PCs, so it wasn't a very good user experience. So almost everybody in those days was using Lynx. Because uh, all we had was, you know, basically character terminal. Our our PCs were emulating terminals. Was uh, it cello? Cello. Cello. It was cello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never From, heard of it. Cornell uh, University. And then and Netscape came along because uh, those guys were uh, they had a lot of money. They all you know had Sun workstations and Silicon Graphic workstations, but uh, the Hoi Polloi. Uh, we were all using just links, and yeah, and Cello sucked because it was the graphics uh, capability, but PC was just too late. But uh, so we, for for a couple of years, I just used links, and just like you guys are saying, I mean, Gopher to me was still way more important until the early '90s. So you um, say you just used link? Like, what were you using it for? What was your purpose? It was well, the same thing as you. It was a it was a character oriented web browser. Right, oh, okay. You're still using it, right? Back Cello. there. Cello, it says here, is Wikipedia. Dates, uh, was first released by Cornell Law School. Yeah, exactly. In, in 1993. That late. Did they no develop kidding. the first TOS? What's TOS? Terms of service, because yeah. they were a law school. <laughs> yeah, they, they must have. And, oh, that's interesting. No, it was just a professor. So I I'm, I would have thought Cello came out sooner than that, but it was still too lame to use. And uh, Netscape would have been about 1994. I'm sorry. Netscape would have been about 1994. I would think around the same 93, but it but they built it like the first time I saw Netscape was on a Sun workstation, and that was a decent experience. But every if you didn't have a Sun or Silicon Graphics workstation. You were pretty much stuck with links. Um, and know, this was I mean, we didn't even have uh, IP connect. We would just do PPP connection to a time sharing system. We we didn't even you know that's how it worked in those days. You you'd log on to a host. So links was all you could do. So um, was this was this after like Q modem and BBS 
stuff? This was after that. Oh, yeah. That stuff was way earlier. Okay, because that's the first thing I remember. What was my Kermit? Hey, Mike, you remember Kermit? I remember Kermit. I remember Kermit. Yeah. Yeah, this was... This was it. This that was pre-internet, even or, or you could use them. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember a friend of mine teaching me Z modem and Q modem, and like there having to do yeah. these commands to get to where we wanted to go. To, those Hayes commands, they're yeah, still yeah. there, you know. ATDT. Yep, blah, yep. Blah, blah, blah. And I remember yeah. like messing with it, and you could open the terminal and string together a bunch of stuff, and it would make weird noise on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all had a whole lot more fun than I did with those things. Also, according yeah. to uh, it was fun. Actually, it was fun. It was exciting because you were talking to people all over the world, even if it was only with characters. It was uh, it was a very exciting time. Also, also according to Wikipedia, um, Netscape's first release uh, was called Mosaic Netscape 0.9 was released in October of uh, 1994. So, 1992? Four. 94. Yeah. yeah. That must have been around the time we first got Digisys up here, and they were providing dial-up. I remember my mom worked at the airport here, the big airport, and they had a dial-up connection account. So she brought home the phone number, the username, and the password. And, like, I, I remember this because the username – was GPI, which was the airport, and the password was fly, F L Y. And I remember you could dial that up, and we did like have our twenty eight eight internet, and it was on. Fly twenty eight eight, man, that was high speed. Yeah, right. Working, From fourteen four to twenty eight eight, that was like twice as fast. <laughs> like the the uh, Tim Berners Lee released the code and whatnot for the. Uh, I have the document on that post I did today in, in 91. It was August of 91. Released the, uh, released the running code. and But it was for a Next workstation. He, he built it on a Next uh, machine. And so, it, again, it was all the rest of us were, you know, using PPP connections with our, uh, with, uh, what do you call it, links. So it didn't have a big wide effect at that time. I... I totally blew it off. I heard him give a talk in 93, and uh, I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. I just didn't get it because I was used to looking at it with links. And it just seemed like gopher with pictures. It just didn't seem like that big of a deal. When it's crazy, too, when you look at it, like in 89, you know, when all of this was very, very first getting started, to 2013 where they say 40% of the people on the planet, so what, 6, 7 billion in 2013? Have used the internet. Yeah, you know it's they call it the World Wide Web. Yep. So, Mike, what was what was your first? Uh, first well, actually, piece? I was. A, a, this was probably about 1994 or 95, and I was. Uh, I was working for a college at the time, and we had a colleague visiting us from, and he was from Princeton. In fact, he was responsible for technology at Princeton, and. I remember him coming in my office and talking about technology for a while, and he said, here, let me show you something. He goes to my computer, which had a, a modem connection to uh, to the outside world, and uh, he proceeded to download um, uh, uh, Netscape and installed it on an IBM desktop, 
and I was off browsing, and I haven't looked back since. The, it was a very cool experience because by then there was enough content up on the web, so I saw the power. You could quickly see the power of connecting to all of these computers all over the place and browsing, browsing material people have made available. But it, it, was, it wasn't the, the, the kind of slow and cumbersome process that Gopher or some of the other earlier tools uh, yeah. were. Do you remember? Did you use Gopher? Yeah, I used Gopher, but I wouldn't say I was a, a power user or a frequent user of Gopher. Yeah. But Gopher was limited. You, you could have links, but they had to be at the front of the document, and you yeah. can have pictures. Those yeah. were the two big differences, I think, between Gopher and, and the web at that time. Yeah, and the, the um, you know, I, th I think a lot of the power was in HTML, the ability to set up and format. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just display pay, uh, uh, content on a page in the way you can today. Yeah. But you know, the very first release of, of, uh, of, the, of the browser and client uh, couldn't do images. It was, it was just formatted text. But they quickly added images. Was that the first release of Cello? No, no, of, of, uh, of Tim Berners-Lee's thing for the next, uh -huh. of, of his... His his first release was it was both a browser and a and a and a server, uh, all in one integrated package. Because I guess he believed people would be creators of information as well as consumers in a kind of a equal equal. Like while you're browsing, your computer's like, please browse my files, internet, uh, yeah, public. Yeah. And he really saw that as uh, that everybody would you know be serving stuff off of their computers. Right, so it created here. a large peer-to-peer -peer network. The more people that got on it, kind of. But it kind of hasn't turned out that way. Well, right. Uh, <laughs> and what was uh, what was your first? Yeah, go at it. My first experience was when I went to college, uh, Wingate University, '95, uh, and they talked about getting the internet implemented there, and. I happened to be able to get a part-time job working at the library. Thank you, NCAA, for letting me work a whole five hours a week, <laughs> you know. Um, but I worked at the library, and I worked the night shift. And um, the supervisor there at the time was like, okay, this is. let me show you the Internet. And it blew my mind to be able to see images on the screen. Um, we had Netscape at the time. And he said, sit down, try it out. And the first thing I did is I put in Green Bay Packers. Because yeah. I was a Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a Green Bay Packers fan. And that was the first thing that I did, typed in and hit enter. And to see Brett Favre come up on my screen, it just blew my mind. Because my mom's had a computer. It was an old Packard Bell, pretty much a word processor. And the ones that we had in high school were for typing. It was, you know, the old Apple uh, uh, Macintosh machines or some other IBM machine. It, it was just text, you know, a blue background or a black background and some green letters, and there was nothing to it. It was just a terminal, you know. But to see Brett Favre on the screen and see Mark Shamira on the screen and the whole introduction to chat rooms and, you know, geocities.com and it, it – it, Man, all of that stuff blew my mind in 1995. 
Yeah, that's cool. 95, back when somebody could say to you, son, come sit down here. I want to show you the internet. And like an hour later, be like, well, and that was the internet. What did you think? Good point. Now, the now first it's graphic like. The page I saw was in 95, too, which was, uh, we used to do it every year at Developing Nations Workshop for people from developing nations. And, uh, uh, and that was the first time I saw Netscape. So we had a, uh, a Sun workstation there. We brought up Netscape and went to a, a site at a junior college in, the U- in Hawaii where they had pictures of dinosaurs. And hmm. that was the first pictures I ever saw on the net. But, boy, the minute you saw Netscape on a workstation, you got it. I mean, that really won over that, just one little thing. You know, but what gets me is thinking back to that, never in my mind would I even consider watching television on a computer back then you know i never thought about watching television i never thought about being able to sit here with a camera and talking to you cats over in another freaking time zone right now well it was all chat right it was all irc or earlier what was it the aim chats and icq like it was all text and that was like hey do you want to see a picture and it was like pick.jpg.exe and then it was and then it loads all slowly and then nothing happens and then i click a button and your cd drive ejects and you're like whoa (laughs) (laughs) voodoo (laughs) you really worry about compressing when you did build a web page with images you compress the shit out of them and then yeah. broadband and then flash and everyone thought flash was a good idea to design websites and i still i stick by this i said way back then i was like you know what you can make a lot of money doing that flash should be used for games and like stupid little cartoons you shouldn't design your website in flash people are like no no this is good i'm gonna pay this guy like three thousand dollars an hour to uh design my website <laughs> in flash because it's gonna look amazing right was the right. worst, and now what? That must have been a plumber, right? Yeah, it was so terrible. And now we have the government, like, just kind of sucking up everything. And part of this blog, uh, Tim Berners-Lee wrote, he outlined threats to privacy, including the risk of increased hacking as more devices connect to Wi-Fi, and the risk from government surveillance of networks. As an opponent of mass government surveillance, Berners-Lee supported Edward Snowden on Monday for the whistleblower's leaks to the press about the NSA data tracking programs which uh one of them i'd like to just discuss real quick here uh it's called turbine codename turbine and basically this will contaminate it contaminate computers and networks with malware implants capable of spying on users faking itself to be like facebook so (laughs) you know just watch out for that uh, the federal agency performed what is known as a man-on-the-side attack in which it tricked users' computers into thinking they were accessing real Facebook servers. Once the user had been fooled, the NSA hacked into the user's computer and extracted data from the hard drive. Facebook said it had no knowledge of the NSA's turbine program. Uh, however, the social network said it is no longer possible for the NSA or hackers to attack users that way. But Facebook warned that other websites and social networks, MySpace, uh, may still be vulnerable to those types of attacks. I I don't even understand how Facebook can stop people from uh, spoofing Facebook. 
It's not like no, they weren't. They weren't spoofing Facebook. They were tricking your computer into thinking it was getting bits and pieces from Facebook servers when it was getting bits and pieces of malware from their servers. Right. But what was was Facebook even involved? <clears throat> Maybe I can neither confirm nor deny. I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They say, they quote, this method of network level disruption does not work for traffic carried over HTTPS, uh, which Facebook finished integrating by default last year. Uh, if government agencies indeed have privileged access to network service providers, any site running only HTTP could conceivably have its traffic misdirected. Unless, of course, you know, they, the, the certificates uh, aren't real then, you know. <laughs> If you can't trust them, like, it's kind of over at that point, right? If your SSL is signed by a certificate that the NSA created, like, it's not really secure then, (laughs) is it? Right? Okay. You're screwed. Yeah, okay. Hang it up, buddy. And Ant's still just glad he's not using Facebook. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I, I know I would never be affected by this. Uh-huh. Freaking brilliant. Love it. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you know, Edward Snowden did testimony before the EU last week, and that was published online. Did you guys see that? No. Well, how, how did, how did that? I, got, I don't remember tons of details, but he made an opening statement, just, you know, really justifying himself and seeing, saying why he had done it. And then they asked him various questions, and it was I don't think there was anything new in it, but it was just, you know, he's speaking – at that level, he's getting a really worldwide audience. I think that was the most significant thing. Well, that's... Yeah, there's, no, there's no question. This is an issue that's yeah. captured the attention of the world. And it's also clear that people questioning him were, were, were quite friendly. I mean, they threw him softball questions like, gee, do you think the NSA is still uh, you know, monitoring the email of allies? And you could say, oh, yeah. You know, it was, yeah. it was a, a real... Easy interview for him. He's, he had all of his documents. Let me ask you guys something about encryption. Um, yeah. Do you think it's more of a, uh, a hit dog will bark kind of thing with when regarding using recri- regarding using encryption? For example, if you're using it all the time, are you more of a target because you're using encryption? You know, a target to be uh, someone labeled as suspicious. Can I, I actually have an anecdote about that. My roommate, Bob, uh, whenever he searches for questionable things, <clears throat> he goes into incognito mode on, on Chrome, and he says yeah. that that way the government knows, like, when to watch him because, like, you'll have all of this other stuff just... And then, like, oh, I better open an incognito window. And it's like, ah, I'm curious what's in that tab now. Yeah. And, I mean, we kind of laugh about it and move on. But, like, really, that's an interesting point. If your carrier sees a bunch of SMS over their wire and it's not encrypted, and then they see three different numbers that always get encrypted messages using, let's say, TechSecure, for example. Are they going to be curious about that? Does that flag you? And now are you more watched than you would have been yeah. if you weren't encrypting anything? Or 
do you somehow, I mean, it's too late now, but is there a way to, from the beginning of your internet life, can you just always encrypt everything? That way there is no like red flag, like, oh, he's all of a sudden doing this. It's like, oh, well, that's always been like that. So there's, you know. This, this crossed my mind because I thought about, you know, maybe I should encrypt my traffic more just just for the hell of it, you know. But then I was like, that's probably going to set off the freaking flag. And they're going to be like, why is this dude doing this? And then why is his SSID called NSA surveillance? And you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the name my balls was already taken. <laughs> but yeah, the it's... only way around your dilemma, Ant, is to get everybody to encrypt everything. Then you won't look funny encrypting. Then you won't stand out. But all that does then is raise the bar, and then it'll be something else, right? Like once that happens, there will be something else that they will figure out and then everyone will have to shift again but that's a long way off getting everyone to even come close to even even just internet traffic let's not even talk about like hard drives and phones like just your internet traffic it's mm-hmm. unless cisco comes out with a secure router in air quotes and is like hey for three ninety nine ninety nine ninety nine, you can have like all your crap encrypted um except for this back door that's in it but yeah, yeah, that goes back to the start of the internet with the decision that that it should be just you know dumb routers that move traffic as fast as possible. Right. Could have been an option to say, okay, everything's going to be all traffic will be encrypted automatically. And that was a great idea until Comcast started owning like half of the internet. Because uh, like they're they're not gonna do that, right? They're they're trying no, to. I mean, the guys like when they made up TC when they made up uh, TCP, TCP could have just had a step where everything gets encrypted and everything gets decrypted. But they the didn't know back then, right? You didn't think that the internet was gonna be used for any of this stuff. Well, in, in fact, occasionally you'll you'll read. Uh, that someone is starting a new project to to do an Internet 2.0 that is thoroughly encrypted. I don't know. It seems like too big a reach to me to think that uh, something is going to, some new variant is going to displace what everyone's using now. There'd have to be some way to make the transition. The thing is, today, the computation cost would be not so big, but back in those days... It would have been, uh, you know, really huge computation costs. But it's all old infrastructure that wasn't built with any of that in mind, right? So you have to start from something like IPv6. Why why can't you do it starting with IPv6? And then once everyone is switched over to that, you're there. I guess everybody just has to agree to do it. Okay, can we all right here, can we just, can we agree to do it? I pledge. I pledge. To encrypt all my IPv6 traffic. <laughs> Do you guys really worry about that stuff? No. Personally? No. No. Nope. Because I encrypt what I'm worried about. <laughs> Do you really? No. <laughs> Matt, seriously, do you encrypt some stuff? Says the suspicious guy. Yeah, he's not going to talk. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, like, when, yeah. I mean, okay, 
for here, for example, there's medical marijuana. Let's say maybe not everybody has their card, but a lot of people do. So maybe when some people text other people, they want to just encrypt that just in case. That, for example. <laughs> That's a terribly, <laughs> terrible example. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, there are certain circumstances that... Overall, I'm not worried about the NSA, but because of the political temperature for that particular thing here, maybe I don't want to worry about getting raided, allegedly. Like, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Who are those guys standing behind you? Uh, it's my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. They will be your roommates. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a battery ram right here? <laughs> Guys, you're going to make me paranoid. I'm going to have to change my whole studio so that I'm facing the door. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the internet will work faster over there. I don't know. (laughs) So, and and, I mean, how do you, how do you, you, uh, what encryption do you use, man? Oh, it's all just tech secure over SMS. Like SMS is the only thing that I would be even close to being worried about. But the funny thing is I do it because my mom got Android, Kelsey, my girlfriend got Android, my roommate got Android. So we all started doing it just so that there's a bunch of encrypted stuff. So every now and then when I need to get a sack, it doesn't look like, oh, what is this one thing that's being encrypted? You know, it's like a bunch of random crap. So, and I trust that encryption. I don't, I wouldn't use something that I didn't, you know, trust. And, Not that I know the cryptography myself that I can vet the code, but I trust the people that have vetted the code and the people that have made the code because it's open source. That's key. And that community is so OCD. And if you know anything about that, you know that code is going to be as good as possible. So cryptographers are like the most. Totally. (sighs) You know, you know, they're amazing. You guys are amazing and, and definitely, but. Like, line up your shoes. It's okay. <laughs> do you guys do you guys do any of that? Like, because I don't do like any hard drive encryption or anything. We probably shouldn't be saying this on the internet, but <laughs> like, I don't worry about that kind of stuff. It's I've worked on some projects where where they insisted that we use email services that were encrypted. Well, sure, and that's pretty easy to set up for the most part. I mean, nowadays. PGP like back in the... What's that? You know, it, my mobile devices are encrypted because it's highly more likely that someone can get a hold of this phone because I leave it somewhere or my tablet because I leave it somewhere or drop it or something like that versus this machine in here that's going to take some real work of someone going over the network and getting past my firewalls and, you know... Things of that it's honestly they just come with a warrant and take it away. I was gonna say, Aunt, it's probably a lot easier to just kick your door down and take it, like yeah. when you're at work or something. <laughs> yeah, they, I'm, I'm glad you said that. While I am at work, I'm just saying, like, watch his foursquare <laughs> when he checks now, in honestly, for a beer. Like, there you go. You got at least 40 <laughs> minutes, at least. And on the subject of encrypting your phone, do you, I assume you also uh, password protect it. Yes. So the encryption is just like a second level of defense. That's correct, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. (laughs) But it sort of slows down boot up because (laughs) the freaking drives encrypted, but it's it's worth it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Could they? Do they not have the right to confiscate your phone though, like at at a border crossing? (laughs) 
Isn't there some special deal for border crossings? It's anywhere within a certain, I forget the the distance. It's like five miles or a hundred miles of a border that they can do that. But see, I'm more worried about like if I if I did have all that password and stuff like that. Like the one time my girlfriend grabs my phone and is like, "Um, what are you hiding?" <laughs> like that's all, and it's not like like that happens. You know that happens, guys. You know that happens. Why is this locked? Mm-hmm. What are you worried about? The NSA? No, it's because they think you got something to hide from them, and it's just like an unnecessary. Right. But see, I, that's not my work phone either. It's like my phone, so. If it was stuff for work and my work was more important than just delivering water to people, I would maybe worry about it. Like, I don't work. Like, my buddy uh, in Milwaukee who works in the medical side of IT, like, he has to encrypt all of that stuff. Yeah, because he's got, like, a list of things he's got to follow to maintain their their HIPAA. 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 So. I've listened to this show called On the Media. It's a good show. It's a great show, and I love it's it. <laughs> also available on podcast. But they've been doing this series now for some time of problems that Americans have had who are out of the country. So maybe you, one example that there were a group of friends that went to a wedding in Toronto, and uh, it traced their problems getting back into the U.S. You know, the, the wedding was a weekend wedding. Now. These folks happen to be uh, Muslim, and so coming back in the country, they just got all kinds of hassles, including having computers and cell phones confiscated. You know, some of them were using for work, or even if not for work, you know, their day-to-day life yeah. And it wasn't even, I mean, that that was, I know which episode you're talking about, and that was, like, you're just appalled at the way humans treat other humans, like, minus all this other stuff, like, they, they yeah. were total dicks about it, they weren't just like, let me search this, like, they yeah. had these attitudes, and it was like this yeah. crazy weird power ego trip. Like, it was pretty disgusting how it's like, they treated It's not them. only am I going to humiliate you, but I'm going to right. do it in front of your four-year-old daughter. Ex- yeah, uh-huh. that kind of pretty stuff. Nice. It's that mentality. It was pretty yeah. disgusting. Yeah. But the good news is that one of those Muslim ladies is a producer for NPR. Right, right. That's why we're talking about her right now. Exactly. Very cool <laughs> story. Did, Mike, did you hear, did you guys hear the... the uh, on the media episode where they talked about what happened to a woman coming in from Mexico that was suspected of bringing drugs. Yep. Yes. That, that was disgusting. That was really over the top. Jeez. That was totally disgusting. And it happens yeah. all under the guise of your security. By the way, I, I didn't get into this meaning to plug this, but uh, on the media has developed a really neat tool you go to onthemedia.org or whatever it is, search Google will get you there. And look for their contact your Congress rep, congressional representative tool. Mm-hmm. And it will take you through step-by-step step exactly the kinds of questions you might want to be asking your, your representative. So that person is representing your interests in, in front of uh, Congress. Did you do it? Yeah, I did, and they did a really nice job with it. Well, Mike, you're being watched now, so 
<laughs> Speaking of red flags. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that was part of the metadata on that phone call was like, who you contacted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. all right. They can they can watch me. But they just give you a script of questions to ask. Is that the... yeah? They give you they give you a series of questions you can ask. They it's sort of a one click to connect to your you know the the representative for your district. Mm-hmm. Um, check it out on the on the on their website. It's yeah. It's, I, you know I heard him say that. I thought I'd do it, and then I didn't get around to it. Yeah. I will. So there's there's a pretty serious use among a lot of other serious uses that sort of promote free speech and uh, and uh, democratic values. That that's something good to celebrate in the on the 25th anniversary. Well, also cause for celebration. If you're on Comcast, your Netflix got a little better. A little. Can you vouch for this? Who's on Comcast? I don't... <laughs> yeah. fortunately, fortunately, not me. Oh, <laughs> I, I, you were... I will be if the merger goes through. Oh yeah, no, huh? I'm universe, baby. I'm U-verse. on. I'm on Comcast, and all I notice is my bill keeps going up. <laughs> <laughs> my bill has gotten faster. Does that count? <laughs> I get no, like three really, a month now. I've just got a more direct connection to Comcast now. Right, so that would be expected. No idea what's going on. They're just like every day. There's a bill from them for something. <laughs> um, no, but that, yeah, this that, is. Oh yeah, go ahead. Ant. It, it's funny to see that story. You know, it's like perfect timing, and I, and I'm glad that the the people that wrote the story says they brought it up candidly. You know, they just had this whole ordeal of of their uh, data being being um throttled every time someone's trying to watch a Netflix video or what have you and then get this big contract that says okay we'll pay you x amount of dollars if you can you know help help our customers be happier kind of thing you know it's just just wrong man just wrong but Ann, is there any evidence that Comcast was throttling it or was it just the transit networks between well, that was another art. Of, that was another part of the argument was the whole CDNs. Um, but <clears throat> either way, Comcast got the check. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but they're providing direct connections to the network too. And how long is it going to be till Cox says this does the same thing and Verizon does the same thing? Yeah, it did open up a can of worms. You know, I hope it doesn't come my way with Uverse. I hope it doesn't. Yeah. You know, I. Um, because of all this thinking about competition, one of my students told me she's got a Uverse account, and it's high, so asymmetric. She said she gets 68 megabits per second down, and it's one megabit per second up. Is that the case with you too? No, my ups. Well, it it is asymmetric, but it ain't that bad. Yeah, I, mean, I get about wacky asymmetric. Yeah, I, I get about four megs, five megs up, something like that. Yeah, but it's yeah, still yeah. asymmetrical. She's not a reliable source, maybe, because that just sounded way off. Yeah, that's that's like DSL-ish. <laughs> I don't know, though. If your pedestal is as clogged as mine is, I, DSL might be the way to go. 
Yeah, didn't you say you have a trailer park or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, Matt. it's it's called <laughs> District Nine. District Nine. District right. Nine. You know, can yeah. I? We got this thing about from our electric company, and they were talking about uh, when the next meeting is, and they were showing like all of the districts that were changing, and there actually is a District Nine here. It's not here, like we're District Two, I guess. Oh, really? <laughs> but like, I saw that, and it was like Districts Two, Five, and Nine. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Anyway, it's that's like a a joke if you've seen the movie District 9 and if you yeah. Google map Earth where I live, you'll see right across the street it looks like the shot in District 9 when they show the shit. So, anyway, uh this uh, article on Wired says Comcast burns Netflix again by snagging House of Cards. Uh, in a deal with Sony, Comcast will now sell its subscribers access to the first season of the political drama through its own Xfinity store. Hmm. Oh, Handy. In Hollywood terms, the arrangement might not be anything remarkable, just a new way of syndicating reruns, but cutting Netflix out of the picture for its signature show sends a clear signal that the entertainment and cable industries aren't about to let some Northern California tech company change television. Without a price. Hey, good for Comcast on that, but I think Netflix will still be fine. Granted, people jump on Netflix because of a title like House of Cards, but are they gonna, are there's they so gonna... much other stuff than House of Cards. Yeah. Breaking Bad. They're going to do it for Breaking Bad, too. They're going to do it for The Walking Dead, too. You know. Orange is the New Black. I mean, Orange is the New Black. There's so much other stuff. You know, Comcast, it's good for them to say, hey, let me jump on this big wave while I can because they just got all of these Emmy nominations and winning this and they're getting more and more popular, getting another season. I want a piece of that pie. Big ups for them doing that. But, uh, but you know, how can that. they do that without giving Net, uh, Netflix a kickback? Good question. It has to be some type of royalty since it's Netflix property, right? Yeah. 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 I don't see how they can. I mean, Netflix is buying a, a connection to the internet through them, and it's up to Netflix to decide what they stream out. I, I don't understand. And cue the awesome. lawyers. And Netflix came down. to <laughs> <laughs> be interesting. We'll, we'll hear about this in the summertime. You know that, right? <laughs> It says, to make its money back, the studio has a deal with Sony to handle distribution of House of Cards internationally and for home video, a term that in the Netflix streaming video era seems pretty meaningless. Uh, In practice, it means Sony gets to sell House of Cards DVDs and other ways for couch surfers to pay a la carte for the show, such as Amazon Instant Video. Now, would you buy a DVD or would you just watch it on Netflix? Like that's, I mean, do, is do there I want a DVD? What's a DVD? No. Is there enough of that pie left where someone will choose one over the other? If you're already currently paying for one, are you going to spend that extra? Like I'm going to buy every DVD that Netflix has that I like and then cancel my Netflix subscription. No, there, are, there are people in, that was a, for international. There's people. Well, true, right. That, yeah. You don't have the choice to do Netflix streaming. Right. All you can do is buy bootleg CDs or bootleg flash drives. Okay, but, well, that starts to make sense for an, for international audience. Yeah, it absolutely. Is, uh, it is an American political thriller, although I guess 
there'd still be an international audience. Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever tried to watch the British version? No, I started I, it. It's on, it's on Netflix. Have you looked at it, man? It's pretty unintelligible. Unless, like, you can watch it with Wikipedia up and pause it and be like, all right, what the F is this? Okay. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, all right, what is this? And it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I tried watching Shameless, the UK version, and it, it was a little better because it wasn't, like, political. But it was still, the American version for me is just way better. It, it's I can relate to it more, you know. Same storyline, it just written for you. Uh, it says by getting House of Cards, Comcast sends a subtle signal to not uh, Netflix non-subscribers that maybe they don't need to spend that extra eight dollars a month after all. I mean, you're already paying us a hundred and how much? Like one eighty <laughs> if you have a phone too. You better save that eight bucks because you're gonna need some ramen uh, towards the end of the month. <laughs> They might not actually pay Comcast to watch House of Cards either, but just knowing that they could get the show there might be enough. Uh, On the other hand, uh, if anyone does watch the first season on cable, uh, Netflix still has a powerful advantage uh, season two. And season three coming soon, which have you guys finished season two yet? Yes. And? Uh, All right, well. I'm waiting for my wife to catch up on season one, then we're gonna watch season two together. Okay. Oh, okay. That that's cool. And how about Orange is the New Black? Huh. Are they doing a second season of that? Yeah. They are. I like that show. Yeah, me I too. I did too. It was very very amusing. <laughs> and it's funny that um I'm an audible subscriber for, for audiobooks and that showed up in my recommendations as well as uh you know, the book Orange it was is the new black. You mean to read the book that it was based on? Mm-hmm. Not I like do it. the TV version of the book, because those are always terrible. Right. I so bought one when I was a kid. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the movie in a book, and it was pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I was eight, I, was I, I probably still have it here somewhere. <laughs> I can't throw away books for some reason. It's weird. I blame Fahrenheit for 51 or whatever. Uh, let's see. Uh, article on Recode. Don't be creepy with your data, please. All of that data I gave you, can you just try not to be creepy with it? That would be helpful. Uh, yeah, this... I, I, I was looking at this article a day or two ago. It's It's just interesting um the the kinds of uses that data is being put to in marketing to us these days uh, uh they, they they talk about uh, fake intimacy uh to recreate a true relationship through a series of data points uh and then the sort of creeped out feeling that you'll get and they they give some interesting uh, advice about how to avoid, uh, how brands can avoid this uncanny valley. Uh, stuff like uh, use data to personalize the entire brand experience. Uh, I like uh, that they've like, adopted the uncanny valley term. Because that's yeah. from like robots and animation when it's almost human but not quite and it freaks our brain out. Yeah, it it apparently comes from, or one of the famous uses of it was 
the po- the ninth, uh, 2004 movie Polar Express, which which was oh, yeah. done in computer animation but tried to be sort of photorealistic, and it just wound up being creepy as hell. I saw it. It was it was creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the doll from Child's Play, Chucky, also creepy as hell. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so they're saying so like if. If you could take a relationship for, like, say, a, a certain amount of time and just map a bunch of data points, you could, in essence, recreate that intimacy online, like, through a chat bot, or... I, I don't... Well, the, I think it's, you know, obviously the chat bot isn't going to do it for you, but it, it is, it's a whole set of interactions and experiences... It's all um, ads, right? It's like your your friends are all having babies, so we're going to just take a shot in the dark here and say you're probably going to have a baby very soon, and we're going to show you uh, baby ads. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. because it showed you the baby ad, your mind is like, oh, I want a baby. And then next thing you know, you have a baby, and you're like, wow, I, sh- I should have bought that stroller when it was on sale. But that's okay, because like eight of my friends all have strollers that they're just going to give me, so it's totally fine. And I think we'd all agree that's pretty creepy. Right? Uncanny Valley. There you go. Yeah, yeah. No one connects the dots like Matt Lee. I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) When all of your... All of people are on Facebook like that, like, you see a lot of that stuff. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, sometimes. Uh, all right. Well, what else uh, before we get out of here? Larry, you blogged about some new courses from the World Science University. What is this? Uh, this is a um, – I just discovered it yesterday or the day before. It's uh, worldscienceuniversity.com, and uh, they've got three phys- – they've got – they've innovated in a number of ways. It's really high production values. Um, they've got three different levels of granularity. One is just sort of frequently asked questions about physics, very, you know, one-minute answers. And then the second is uh, sort of eight hours worth of material for sort of a NOVA-like experience but no math. They've got three physics courses for that and then three college-level courses in physics. And they say they're going to do biology next. And it's it's much higher production values than you know Udacity and those people. Um, yeah, it's really pretty cool. I don't understand how they're going to afford to do it. Uh, the guy that's doing it is a has done Nova uh, things for PBS, and so it's by far the slickest uh, sort of MOOC, if you will, that I've ever seen. Um, and I just I've gone through a, maybe spent an hour hour and a half going through. Uh, one of the physics courses, and it's really good. It's copyright set by something called Science Festival Foundation. I'll say what... it's funded. Is that the it's uh, copyrighted uh, by them? Uh-huh. It, it's a dot com, um, but there's you know it's all right now. At least all the stuff you know, the courses are free. Yeah, that's interesting. Where you're you're reading about the business guide? Um, it's wow. at the at the far bottom of their their web page. I never yeah. did that. 
it's a small copyright notice. Gotcha. Copyright 2014 Science Festival Foundation, all rights reserved. Huh. Yeah, I, I would encourage you guys just to uh, look at some of the lessons. It's 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 it is innovative. Compared, it's not like a copycat of Udacity or Coursera. I'm gonna check that out. Check it out. Like I started the uh, the uh, there's a course on uh, not the college level math course, but the kind of mathless uh, Novolite course in uh, uh, for special relativity. And I, I went through about I spent at least an hour, maybe two hours on it. It was really interesting. And uh, didn't get boring. It was better than watching Nova, let's put it that way. So check it out. Maybe it'll be something. Speaking of Nova, did you guys watch the last Cosmos? Cosmos? I couldn't stay. Well, I fell asleep during it. I, I have recorded it. I haven't watched it yet. Never heard of it. You guys are really? freaking... other than another night when I was going through my Twitter feed, and I was like Cosmo. Okay, but do, do you have uh, do you have Hulu Plus? Yes. Okay, are you, you familiar with Carl Sagan? Yeah, it's the it's it's. Yeah, you didn't have to have recorded or seen it because it's on Hulu Plus, mm -hmm. so you you can go see it if you want. Yeah, I and just I will about it for the first time this weekend. I was like, "What the heck is this? Everyone talking about?" You know, yeah. that and True Detective. I did watch two episodes of True Detective, though. You know, I have the tab open to get the first season of that, and I've like been waiting because uh, two people have told me about it. I usually wait until three do, and then I'll try and watch it. I just, like, haven't had time to watch as many shows as I would have liked. But Cosmos was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Was it? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I said I fell asleep, but it was because I was sleepy, not because I thought it was boring. But it was, I saw the start, it was a little hokey, the way he was flying around in that spaceship. That was the coolest spaceship you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of awesome. Little one-man pod. It was kind of odd. My my roommate said it reminded him of The Navigator. The Last Navigator. What's that old movie from like the 80s? Something Navigator. I forget. Mm -hmm. But it was like a kid and he gets picked up in the spaceship and there's this little alien thing. and I don't know. E.T.? No, not E.T. <laughs> See, now I have to look it up. The <laughs> Last Navigator. Yep, here we go. The Last Navigator. See? I should... Not second guess my nineteen eighty six. And the ship kinda looks like the thing from this. Here. I need you all to see this now. It's a Disney film. Here's the link. Alright. Uh anything else before we wrap this up? You had another blog post, uh, Larry. I guess we kinda talked about that already, so never mind. Yeah, yeah, we did. Alright. Well, I'm going to do more trace routes and ping tests and see why somewhere <laughs> in between here and, and Irvine, California, there seems to be some network latency. There's actually this gave me a good time to find some Android trace route tools just to see if there were any instead of using oh, the laptop. Nice. There's some cool, like they'll throw out a map and then overlay where all the pings are going. I don't know. That's kind of cool. So... Off to mess with that and hopefully get this uh, figured out. Shadows with me. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll send you an email. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Yet another tech show.com unless you're on charter and going through whatever broken pipe happens to be broken, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's up and down for me, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, check out our writing on adunedomain.net. Make sure you find us in iTunes, subscribe, give us a review. We appreciate that. We're on Stitcher also. Uh, and lots of cool Android apps you can use to subscribe with. So RSS feeds, Twitter, Facebook, and the Google Plus links are all on the page at yet another tech show.com. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you thanks, all. Yet Another Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.